Can somebody say amen this morning? Amen. The Lord's been good to us, and it's great to be here to celebrate Jesus this morning, to worship with you here at South Metro. It is Memorial Weekend, and uh, man, we're getting ready. I know we'll be doing barbecues and and uh, and celebrating and enjoying the day tomorrow. But uh, we do want to to pause and to to recognize and to remember what this day means. Why we uh, celebrate Memorial Day? It's it's more than a, a, a good deal on a mattress. And it's more than, than barbecues and it's more than, uh, than, than sales and all of that. Today, Memorial Day is a day when we, uh, when we remember the sacrifice of those who have given their lives in service to our country. There are men and women who have traveled around the world, men and women who have, who have uh, gone and made a decision, a commitment to go and to serve their country, to serve the United States of America, to go in our place and, uh, and many of them have given their lives so that we can be free today. I can't help but see the parallel spiritually today as we recognize that, that Jesus over 2,000 years ago came to this earth and that he went in our place and that he took upon our sins and he went, he was crucified upon a cross and there he died and he shed his blood so that we could have freedom today and so that we could have life everlasting through him. And so we also recognize today those men and women in their flesh who went and who stood in our place and who gave their lives and fought for our country and fought for us so that we could come into this place today so that we could worship God in freedom and so we honor them today. Can we honor and recognize... All of those lives. We recognize our veterans. On Veterans Day, we recognize our veterans every day of the year. We do that every Sunday when we come. We recognize those that are watching around the world. But today, we honor those who have given their lives. Those who have lost their life in service to our country. Today, we remember the ones, the loved ones who were left behind. And we honor them as well today. So I just want to take just a moment just to pray that God would help us to remember why we celebrate, to remember the lives that have been lost in service of our country, to remember the ones who have been left behind. Can we do that this morning? God, we thank you today. Lord, first of all, we thank you for Jesus, Lord, who came and gave his life for us, Lord, who gave, Lord, himself as a sacrifice so that we could find life and freedom, Lord, from our sins and live with you forever, God. But we also thank you today, Lord, for those men and women God, who have made a, a committed dedication, Lord, to our country. Lord, to go, Lord, to Lord the fields of battle. God, to stand on the front lines, Lord. God, and for those who have given their lives in service to our country, Lord, we honor them today. We honor their memory, and we're grateful, Lord, for their sacrifice. God, we're grateful for those ones who have been left behind, God. the Lord, the struggle and the pain, God, of losing someone that they love. God, we pray that you would be a peace to them today. God, that you would honor them and surround them with your love, God. Lord, that they would experience your grace, God, on this Memorial Day. God, many, Lord, are not celebrating, God, because of the pain in their heart. And I pray, God, that you would be with them, Lord, this weekend. God, and as we celebrate tomorrow, God, as we barbecue and as many of us go to the lake, God, or go on vacation, Lord, I pray that we would take a moment to pause 
Lord, and to remember, God, all of those who have given their lives for us, God. We praise you today, God. We give you glory and honor, for it's in the name of Jesus that we ask all of these things. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, I am excited to be here today. I'm excited to share with you. I am not Pastor JC. I am not the lead pastor of this church. Pastor JC and Kimberly are taking a well-deserved vacation, a break, Spending some time away uh, in Florida with family, and so we blessed them. But man, he he's excited. He had, uh, he he wasn't able to preach last week. Pastor Daniel Gray came, did a fantastic job, and uh, and I told uh, last week I hit Pastor JC. And I was like, "How are you going to make me follow that?" Man, that guy, he, he absolutely tore it up last week. And Pastor JC looked at me. He said, well, I'm just glad I don't have to. So, you know, they put it on the youth pastor. Let the youth pastor uh, follow Daniel Gray. But Pastor JC is excited to be back next week preaching. He'll be here in the pulpit. And so we bless him and Kimberly and the kids. And we, we pray that God bless, uh, takes care of them, gives them rest in their body so that they can come back and do what the Lord has called them to do. Amen. Are you excited to be here today? Are you ready to hear the word? Amen. Well, this morning, I, I, I've got a word that the Lord is, uh, he'd been kind of dealing with my heart, and so he gave me a message that I want to share with you, just simply titled, Number 10. Now, I, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I love holidays. Anybody love holidays? I, I, uh, maybe just a few of you, one, two of you. I love holidays. And, and one of the things that I love about holidays is, is, for, is that at holidays, for most of us, we get a day off, right? A day off from work. I mean, we, we like days off. I mean, if you say you don't like a day off, you're crazy, right? We need a day off from time to time. And, and uh, I love my job. I love being a pastor. I, I, I love working here at South Metro. This is an amazing place to work. I love my job, but I enjoy getting a day off, right? I enjoy it. I love the holidays. I love getting some time just to celebrate with my family and have a good time. And my favorite holiday is Christmas. I love Christmas. I love what it means. I love the songs. I love the music. I, 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 love, I love the presents. Amen. Right? We like presents. We like gifts. I enjoy getting them. I enjoy giving them. I, I like the holidays. But there's a holiday that it, it, it's not at the top of my list, but it's a close second to Christmas. And that's Thanksgiving. Any Thanksgiving fans out there this morning? I love Thanksgiving. And you know, I, honestly, there are times I wish that we could celebrate Thanksgiving every quarter, right? I, I mean, think about it for just a minute. Think about all that food, right? That's the best part of Thanksgiving. I love coming together. I don't know about you guys, but my family, I got a big family. And when we get together for Thanksgiving, man, we bring a spread. There is food everywhere, and y'all, we tear it up. It is good stuff. I'm talking about turkey and dressing. Anybody, come on, somebody say amen this morning. Turkey and dressing. I don't know if you've ever had this before, but I, I, I mean, most people, they do their turkey in the oven. I've seen some people, they like to smoke their turkey, but I want my turkey dropped in a deep fryer. Come on. I, I want you to inject that thing with some, some good flavor. I like that Tony Satchery's butter or the Cajun or something like that. Man, get it all infused with that flavor. Drop that thing in a fryer. I want some fry. Fried turkey, man. That If you've never had fried turkey, that's where it's at. I want that thing. I want the juices and everything dripping off of it. I want to be able to wipe my mouth, have to wipe my mouth every time I take a bite. I love some fried turkey. And I go in there, I get in trouble all the time because I sneak in there and start picking on it before, uh, before they cut the bird. Man, I, I love it. And, uh, man, I, I love the fried turkey, the dressing. 
Not the stuffing. I know, I know some of y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying. Some of y'all, you're, you're from up north and y'all eat stuffing. Uh, Pastor Jeff, he's over here, he's like, yeah, man, that's what I like. Give me some stuffing. Man, listen, that mess is dry. I want some wet dressing. I want that stuff. I want some slop thrown on my plate, all right? Listen, when, I eat, when I'm eating at Thanksgiving, I'm a southern boy. I'm a country boy, all right? So when I put stuff on my plate, it's going to all get mixed together, and, man, it tastes so good. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about this morning? Well, I mean, I want that stuff. I want Monty's over here. She's like, I don't want nothing touching. I want everything touching on my Thanksgiving plate. I mix it all up. Put it in a blender. I don't care, man. That stuff is good. <laughs> Give me some turkey and dressing. Cranberry sauce. That stuff is nasty. I don't want any cranberries. Mont, I know, I know. Monty loves the cranberry sauce. I'm like, I, I don't want nothing. I don't want no cranberry sauce, man. Y'all eat that mess. Just give me turkey and dressing and all the other good stuff. Mac and cheese. Come on, somebody. I love the kind that you put in the oven and you bake. I ain't talking about that Easy Mac stuff that you whip up in about three minutes. I'm talking about the stuff that takes some time with some cheese and some butter. Put extra butter on that stuff for me, all right? I love some mac and cheese. Every kind of casserole. Man, I don't know about anybody else, but when we come from our family, we got casseroles everywhere. I mean, we got all kinds. Man, they're making casseroles out of stuff I ain't ever heard of before. Man, we got, we got squash casserole, broccoli casserole, green bean casserole. Somebody made a turkey casserole. I don't even know how you do that. Casserole, casserole, casserole. Man, we got food everywhere. And then the desserts. Come on. Sweet potato pie. Y'all can keep that. <laughs> Banana pudding. Mm, come on. Somebody showed up with some cheesecake. I'm like, I'll eat the cheesecake too. Put some strawberries on it. Man, I, uh, pumpkin pie. Monty's grandmother had the best pumpkin pie. I don't like pumpkin pie usually, but her pumpkin pie, man, I ate two of them one Thanksgiving by myself, man. They were so good. Pumpkin pie, and anybody who's where I'm from loves some pecan pie. Anybody like some pecan? Not pecan, not pecan, but pecan pie. Come on. Heat that junk up and throw some ice cream on it. That's good stuff. Man, I love the food. And, and, and here's the thing. After I've done all the damage, I know y'all look at me and y'all like, oh, he's so skinny. But listen, I'll tear up some Thanksgiving food, y'all. And after I've done all the damage, I fall into what I call a turkey coma. You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go into the bedroom or find, I'm going to find, if, even if it's a pallet made for the kids, I'm going to go lay down somewhere comfortable and I'm going to sleep for the next two hours. And guess what I'm going to do? When I wake up from sleeping, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do it all over again. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Man, I love it. I love some, some Thanksgiving. And you know, you're probably wondering this morning, well, why are you talking about Thanksgiving in May? Why, why are you talking about Thanksgiving in May? Well, you know, the Lord's been dealing with my heart about what it means to live a life of Thanksgiving. You know, and I, I, got, to, I, I got to thinking about it. You know, I, I love Thanksgiving because of the heart behind it. I love the food, but I love what Thanksgiving means. See, I love that we take the time each year to stop and to remember how good God has been to us. To celebrate his favor and his blessings in our lives. And you know, recently the Lord just really began to deal with me about this. You know, I found myself in a place where I was complaining a lot. I don't know why, I just started complaining. 
You know, some days we just wake up with a complaint on our lips, right? And I, I found myself, I'd get frustrated with things, and, and I was complaining about stuff, and I'd get in the car, and we're going somewhere. I'm not even in a hurry, and I'm complaining about the guy in front of me. Get out the way. Listen, let me tell you, if you're driving slow in the left-hand lane, you are of the devil. You need to get over. You hear me? I love you. If you're doing that, you're not really of the devil, but come on. Get over it. But I found myself, I'm not even in a hurry to get anywhere, and I'm complaining. And Monty's getting on to me. Why are you so frustrated? Why are you? And I, I found myself in this place, and one day I was complaining about something, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Trey, you got too many blessings in your life for you to be complaining right now. I've done too many good things for you for you to be complaining right now. Trey, the fact that you woke up this morning is a reason to give me praise, but all you can do is whine about everything. So the Lord started dealing with my heart, and he said, Trey, I've called you to live a life of thanksgiving. Yeah. So as I began to prepare to preach this week, the Lord began to deal with my heart again, and he brought me back to this thought. And I began to consider what it means to live a life of thanksgiving. And I realized this, that we really only ever focus on it once a year. It's like we go all year long and we only ever deal with the subject of thanksgiving and gratitude at Thanksgiving. We only talk about it once a year and it hit me how sad that is. That we have so much to be thankful for, but we rarely ever talk about it. You know, we're good at complaining. We're good at whining. We're good at finding things to be frustrated about, but how about the things that God's done for us? How about the fact that I'm even alive today? How about recognizing the fact that I can wiggle my toes this morning? How about recognizing the fact that I can jump up and down? Recognizing the fact that I can come into this place and give God praise this morning. But I want to complain about everything. It's too cold. It's too hot. I don't like what she's wearing. Well, who cares what she's wearing? That ain't got nothing to do with you, but you're going to complain about it. We got reasons to give praise. We don't ever talk about it. You know what's interesting to me is that the Bible actually instructs us to live a life of thanksgiving. You know, I was studying it all throughout the Bible. You know, there are, I mean, it, there are hundreds of scriptures that deal with praise and thanksgiving. I, I found over 100 verses this week that deal with thanksgiving and praise, and I'm going to read all of them right now, okay? I'm kidding. I'm only going to read three. Three key verses that, man, I mean, they're so powerful. And when I read them, man, it was like, wow, okay, God. Psalm 107 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I can't help but ask this question. When is God good? And all the time. Come on, we know that. We say that all the time. God's good, but we sure don't act like it. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks. That doesn't put any stipulation on our praise and thanks. This scripture right here doesn't say, oh, give thanks to the Lord when you feel like it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord when everything in your life is falling into place. Oh, give thanks to the Lord when you feel good. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And if God is good all the time, and if God's goodness is not conditional, then that means my praise and thanksgiving should not be conditional. 
That means my praise and my thanksgiving should not be dependent upon how I feel. Because God's good. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. All. When your kids are acting crazy, all. When you lose your job, all. When you're sick, all. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for you to praise. It's God's will for you to give thanks. Well, I don't feel good. Well, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Give God praise. In all circumstances, because it is his will for your life. I love this last one, Psalm 100. 1 through 5, it says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with what? With gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. You know what that tells me? That every time I come to church, I should come in with a shout of praise on my lips. That when I come into the house of God, if all I do is sit there grumpy and angry and mad that I'm even here, man, I'm not going to experience anything that God has for me on that day. It says come in with thanksgiving. Come in with praise. I should come in every time. And you know what? I have to tell myself sometimes I don't always feel like coming in here and praising God. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Jesus. I'm a pastor. But I don't always feel like a Christian. And I don't always feel what I should be feeling. There are days I have to come in here. And years ago, Pastor Jeff said something to me that when it's your time to serve, you got to leave your baggage at the door. And I have to tell myself sometimes, you know what, God? I don't feel like it today, but I'm dropping the baggage off right here. I'm going to lift my hands anyway. And I'm going to say, God, you've been good to me. God, I love you. God, I praise you. I don't care how I feel right now. God, you're good. And man, every single time I begin to experience his presence and it changes. Changes my whole attitude. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking to me. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Church is the people of God. We are called to give him praise. Why? Because he's good. Because he's good. He's good all the time. So I got to give him praise. See, we've all got things we can complain about. If I were to line you all up today, say, what you got to complain about? Everybody in this room could find something. Some of y'all, it'd take you about 30 minutes to get through the list. I'd probably be right there with you. And the truth is this today. A lot of us in this room have some really difficult circumstances that we're facing. Some of you have some real obstacles that are going on in your life. Some real pain, some real struggles. Some of you got some news this past week that has weighed you down. It's overwhelming you and I, I don't want to downplay the reality of your situation. And I don't believe that God is asking us to pretend as if our reality doesn't exist. I just believe this, that he's simply asking us to trust him beyond our reality. I think the Lord is asking us to say, you know what? My situation is dire, but God, I trust you beyond that. 
God, my situation's overwhelming, but I trust you beyond what I feel right now and what I see. God, I know you can do it. If you did it for someone else, I know you can do it for me as well. See, maybe your life isn't exactly where you want it to be right now, but you're alive today. You may not be alive tomorrow or next week or 10 years down the road, but you're alive today, and that's a reason to celebrate. You're breathing right now. You got breath coming in your lungs. Maybe it's labored, but you got it happening right now, and God's been good to you. You're in this place worshiping the Lord. You got clothes on your body right now. They may not be the clothes you want. You may be looking at the lady across the aisle saying, I wish I had her clothes, but you know what? You got clothes on today, and God has blessed you, and there's a reason that you're here. You can move, you can lift your hands, and you can shout to the Lord today because he is good. There's a reason to praise this morning. There's a reason to give thanks today. So let me ask you this. What if our perspective on life changed? What if we stopped looking at things to complain about and started looking for reasons to give praise? What if I stopped looking at the frustration I have when I'm driving from here to Noonan? which will test your salvation. <laughs> what if I made myself just get over in the right-hand lane and drive behind the slowest person and said, God, I'm thankful that I get to spend the next 20 minutes with you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. What if, I, what if my perspective on life changed? What if I quit looking at reasons to be frustrated and complain and pointing out every problem that I've got and putting it on Facebook. I'm going to preach this morning. Y'all better help me. Come on. What if I just started saying, God, you're good. God, you've been so good to me. You know what, Lord, I've been, I've been listening to sports talk radio, but you know what, I'm going to turn some worship music on and just tell you how good you've been. And just worship you for the next few moments. What if my perspective on life changed? How would my life look different? See, here's what I think would happen. I think we'd start enjoying life a little bit more. I think we'd start enjoying life again. Some of us, we hadn't enjoyed life in a long time. For whatever reason, when's the last time you just stopped and said, I'm going to enjoy this moment? When's the last time you said, you know what, I'm with my kids right now. Instead of getting mad at them because they're acting crazy, I'm going to actually join in and play with them for a little bit. Oh, well, they're acting nuts in the restaurant. Well, let's go over to McDonald's so they can get in the, get in the playpen. I'm going to go in there. I'm going I'm to I'm get in the slide and go down it with them and just enjoy the moment. I'm going to put my phone down and watch the movie with my family. I'm going to enjoy the meal we're having together. I'm just going to stop and enjoy life for just a minute. You know what? I think if we enjoyed life more often, we'd quit chasing the big moments and start savoring the simple ones. We might learn to appreciate the little things in life again. We might begin to see the good first rather than the bad. We might be offended less often and celebrate a bit more. We might learn how to celebrate other people and their accomplishments instead of tearing them down because we're jealous. Come on. We might recognize opportunities that we have in life that we never saw before because we learned to have an attitude of gratitude. See, I believe this is the life that the Lord has called us to live. I believe the, the life that God has called us to is a life of thanksgiving and a life of praise. And I call it a life of the number 10. 
Let me show you what I mean this morning. There's a story in the Bible. I love this story, and, and, and man, the Lord takes me back to it all the time uh, because I, I think God has to stir something up in me from time to time. And it's found in the book of Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn there. I'm going to be reading from the message version. This morning, this is not my study version, but I love the way that the message puts this story. It puts it in language that we can understand, and there's a few key things in here that I want us to see this morning. It's Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 11. It'll be on the screen this morning. Beginning with verse 11, it says this. And it happened that as he, Jesus, made his way toward Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee, And as he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him there. They kept their distance, but they raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, Jesus said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. So they went, and while they were on their way, they became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God, And he kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. I want to pause here. I'm not going to preach on this, but I want you to see something very quickly here. Why would it point out that he was a Samaritan? Why would it, why would it, why the Bible, I don't believe anything in the Bible is by chance. I believe that there's always an emphasis behind it. There's a reason that the Bible says certain things. But, and, and I believe the reason is this, that the other nine that were healed, that they were all Jews, that they were God's people, that they were God's chosen people. And, and it says he was a Samaritan. I believe that it was pointing this out because I think that there was a subtle hint to anybody that was reading this that God's grace is for everyone. You hear what I'm saying? I I think a lot of us, we have stipulations on what people should look like and where they come from and what their background should be before they come into the house of God and before they can worship God. But I want you to know that God loves anyone from anywhere, no matter what, because he wants to save them. His grace is for every single person. Jesus said, we're not ten healed. Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has made you well or your faith has healed and saved you. Here in this story we see ten men. Ten men with a sickness known as leprosy. Now, we don't know a whole lot about leprosy in our our world because we don't see people with leprosy in, in the United States. It doesn't seem like a big deal. We read these stories and we're like, oh, yeah, leprosy, okay, yeah. But leprosy was one of the worst possible things that could happen to anybody in those days. See, leprosy was a horrible disease and it was caused by a bacteria that got in the skin and it would begin to create these scaly lesions and sores all over the body. And it, it, it was different from cancer in the sense that most cancer starts on the inside and begins to eat away. But this, this type of sickness... It ate away from the outside in. See, it killed you by destroying nerve endings that eventually caused body parts to become numb. And what would happen is that as the body parts would become numb, someone wouldn't even notice when they cut their hand or bumped their arm or broke their leg. They might not even notice. 
So what would happen is that these sores would get worse and infection would begin to set into the wounds or the broken bones in the body. And what would happen is, is it would begin to cause the body parts to rot and to fall off. That's why when you see pictures of people with leprosy, most of them have lost their fingers. Many of them have lose their nose or their ears or their feet. It's a horrible, cruel disease. Slowly eating away at their body. Killed them by destroying the nerve endings and causing their body to basically dry up and crumble away. See, to have leprosy at this time in the world was a death sentence. There was no going back. There was no hope of a cure. The only thing that you could hope was that your leprosy might go into remission. See, if you had leprosy, you knew that it was going to be a long, slow, painful death. I read an article a couple years ago, and it said that the time it takes for leprosy to run its course in the human body is 30 years. Now, many of them died before that 30-year mark because the infection would overtake their body, but there were some who lasted much longer, and they would slowly just watch their body fall apart. And because it was so contagious, the priests, according to Jewish law were required to create colonies outside of the cities where they were forced to send the lepers to live. See, once they were found to have the disease, if somebody had leprosy, then they found out and the, 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 the priest determined that they had leprosy, they had to send them away immediately. So they couldn't go home and tell their loved ones goodbye. They couldn't go home. The husband couldn't go home and kiss his wife goodbye. He couldn't hug his children the mom couldn't go back and love on her kids for just a little bit. No one, you, you weren't even allowed to go home and get any of your property. You were immediately exiled and isolated outside of the city. Think about it for just a moment. Imagine waking up one day and you find a sore on your body. And you're hoping it's not what you think. Every single day you wake up and it's getting worse. You hoped it was just a scratch from work or, or, or maybe that you just bumped yourself or, or something, but it's getting worse and it's growing and, and, and now you're concerned for your family. So you, you make a bold decision and you go and show yourself to the priest and they determine leprosy. I mean, it was so bad that even family members, because they were so scared of getting the, getting the sickness, that they would actually turn on their family members. Children would turn their fathers in. Husbands would turn their wives in because of the fear of this disease. It was horrible. I mean, could you imagine... Living your life, man, living it up. Life is great. Life is awesome, man. I'm, I'm loving my life. And then one day, you wake up and everything you know and love is snatched away. And you know what? What made things even worse is that lepers, not only were they taken away from everything they loved, but any time they came near the town or near someone who did not have this sickness, they were required by the law to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! Stay away from me, I've got a disease. Don't talk to me, don't come near me. Stay away, unclean. So people knew to stay away from them. See, not only were they dying, not only did they lose their whole life, their family, their jobs, not only were they isolated, but their dignity was stripped from them as well. Leprosy was the worst possible thing that could happen in that day. It was lonely, it was hopeless, it was cruel. 
And here we see these ten men. They've lost everything. These men who were probably, many of them might have been fine, upstanding citizens at some point. Probably good Jewish men that, that, that went to the temple and did everything that they were supposed to do. Probably followed the law. Loved their family. Maybe had a good job. But here, the, here we find them. Having lost everything, living with no hope. Waking up every day. Is this the day I'm going to die? Is today my day? Waking up to the smell of putrid, rotting flesh. Looking around them as their friend who was with them yesterday is now dead. But then something happened. See, something they couldn't have even imagined when they woke up that morning. I imagine they're sitting there eating breakfast just thinking, man, I don't even know why I'm eating anything. I might as well just shrivel up and die. But then all of a sudden they hear a commotion. What's happening? There's something going on outside. Let's go find out what's going on. Something happened in this moment and, and it's something they couldn't have even imagined for once in their life. Hope walked into their town. Hope walked into their life. Hope in the person of Jesus the Messiah. They find themselves in this place. What's going on? We need to find out. So they go outside and they're looking. Oh, what is it? Hey, is that, is that Jesus? Oh, we've heard the stories about him. Oh my goodness, could it be? They're looking around, they're trying to stay back and stay away. They don't want to get in trouble, but, but man, they're looking and they're thinking, man, we, I wish I could just get to him. See, they had heard the stories of Jesus. You know, Jesus would heal someone and he'd tell them, hey, don't tell anybody about this, but you know how people are with that. Hey, I got a secret I'm going to tell you, don't, don't tell anybody. Okay, I promise. Hey, they told me not to tell anybody, so you don't tell anybody. I'm going to tell you right now. So the stories were circulating. They knew of Jesus healing the paralyzed man near Galilee. Or the man with the withered hand whom Jesus broke the law to heal on the Sabbath. The stories had circulated of him healing the Roman centurion servant at Capernaum. And resurrecting the widow's son at Nain. Many had told of Jairus' daughter being brought back to life. And, and many had told of the, the story of the woman with the issue of blood who was healed simply by touching the hem of his garment. His miraculous healing power was well documented, but the story I'm sure they loved the most was the one of the man who had the same disease as them who was healed simply by the power of Jesus' touch. Who would do that? No one touched a leprous person. No one even came near a leprous person. Yet Jesus stepped into his life and touched him. And immediately he was healed. I'm sure they loved to tell that story. It was the only bit of hope that they had. And I'm sure they probably thought, there's no way Jesus will ever walk into my life. And now here he was. Jesus so close. They kept their distance. Careful to obey the law. And I imagine they're looking, saying, please, Jesus, look over here. Jesus, please, 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 please. And I imagine one of them got some boldness in him. He couldn't hold it in him anymore. He said, Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus walking, going to the town, stops. He looks, pushes through the crowd. Walks over to these men. Oh, the mercy 
he showed to them. The compassion in the master's eyes when he looked upon their sickness. The grace he showed to them when he said these words, go and show yourselves to the priests. Oh, could it be? Here, right here, in this moment, a small chance that I may get my life back. Yes, guys, let's run to the priests. Let's get there as quickly as we can. The Bible says this, that as they ran in faith, they were cleansed of their sickness. As they ran, they had the faith to run. In that moment, they had not been healed yet, but they said, Jesus said the word, so I'm going to go do it. Jesus said the word. Some of us, we still struggle with doing the things that Jesus says. He said, go do it. And we, we come up with excuses. They ran in faith. And the Bible says they were healed. What a day. What a glorious, miraculous day. What a reason to celebrate. You know, I'm sure they immediately went home to their loved ones and had a big party. I'm sure they called their boss and said, hey, boss, I'm back. Still got my job. I'm sure they had a great time. I'm sure stories of this would be passed down through generations. But in the midst of the excitement, something significant happened. See, while they were all celebrating their new lease on life, one of them paused. He paused and he remembered. He was dancing, celebrating. Yes, I'm healed. Yes. Wait a minute. There's a man who gave me a gift. I wouldn't even have this if it wasn't for him. You know what? It's inconvenient for me to run back across town, but I'm going to do it anyway. I can run now. I'm not, I don't even have to worry about my body parts falling off. I'm going to run as fast as I can. Oh, look at me. Oh, look at me. I can wave my arms. And he ran back across town. Verse 16 says, one of them, when he realized that he was healed, he turned around and came back shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. And he kneeled at Jesus' feet so grateful. And he could not thank him enough. That one was number 10. See, number 10 wasn't just glad to be healed. Number 10 was grateful for it. See, he could have ran off like the others and celebrated and no one would have blamed him. Instead, he chose to do something different. He chose to take the time to go all the way back across town simply to humbly express his gratitude and praise to the one who had given him new life. You know, a lot of times we struggle with truly giving thanks because it's inconvenient for us. It's inconvenient to sit down and write the thank you note. It's inconvenient for me to call that person up. You know, they know I'm thankful. They know I'm grateful for what they've done. No, they don't. They need to hear it from you. The Lord needs to hear it from you that you're grateful for what he's done in your life for how he showed up when you needed him to. Do you know what is sad? That I think our world looks more like the nine. See, they find themselves in a situation where they need God to show up if they'll come to the music. They find themselves in a situation where they need God to show up. They beg Him. They barter with Him. They bargain with God. God, if you'll show up, I'll go to church more often. God, if you'll show up, I'll give up that thing that I'm doing. God, if you'll do this, Lord, I, I promise I'll start, I'll start paying my tithes. God, if you... Do this, Lord. I, I'll, I'll get my kids in church. God, if you'll do this, I'll, I'll do this for you. God, you called me to into the ministry years ago, but I, I've been running from it. But God, if you'll show up in this situation, I'll, I'll commit to do it. 
And then what happens when God shows up? We don't follow through on our end of the bargain. Not everybody. A lot of people. We get what we want and we walk away. Jesus asked the question of the Samaritan. He said, where are the other nine? The answer is, they got what they wanted and they left. And I can't help but ask the question this morning, who do we identify with? I have to ask myself that. Who do I identify with? Because I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not always pausing to give thanks. I'm guilty of looking at it and saying that's inconvenient. And the Lord's stirring my heart. Saying, Trey, I didn't call you to be a one or a two or a three or a four or a five or a six or a seven or an eight or a nine. Trey, I called you to be a number ten. So who are we today? See, we live in a world that tells us we should always be number one. But in the kingdom of God, we're called to be a number ten. I want to close with this thought this morning. In verse 19, it says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up on your way. Your faith has made you well, or your faith has healed. The message said, your faith has healed and saved you. I got to looking at that. I was like, Lord, what? I don't really get that translation there. Because most translations say God that he made him whole, he was made whole, or he was made well. But then the message says, your faith has healed and saved you. And I was like, are they just adding stuff into the story? Well, why, why does it say that? And then I got to thinking, I was like, why would Jesus... Say something that's so obvious. The man's already been healed. Why are you telling him he's healed? I I, I don't understand why Jesus does certain things sometimes. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And so I went back and I started studying that. I wanted to understand why it was different. And I went back to the Greek, which is the original language that this was written in. And the word there for whole or well in Greek is sozo. S-O-Z-O. And when I looked at the definition, I was like, wow. Because the definition of that word well there actually means to be saved, to be rescued. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? See, Jesus wasn't being redundant in pointing out that the Samaritan leper was physically healed. That, 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 that was obvious. Jesus knew that that was obvious. No, what Jesus was saying is not only have I healed you physically, but I healed you spiritually as well. I didn't just make you right in your body. I made you right in your soul and right in your heart today. Not only did he get the miracle he was asking for, but he got the one he didn't know he needed. Hear me today. See, the posture of your heart can often affect the level of your miracle. See, because he had an attitude of gratitude, because he was willing to come back and fall on his knees before Jesus and say, thank you for what you've done to me. Not only did he get the first blessing, but he got a second blessing as well. God doubled the blessing in his life because of the posture of his heart. Nine got one miracle. Number ten got two. Nine got one. Number ten got double because of the posture of his heart. See, the posture of your heart may be the one thing that's standing in between you and the miracle you've been asking God for. I'm not saying that God's looking at you saying, dance for me. Do something for me before I show up in your life. No, God's just wanting to see, are we grateful? 
God's just wanting to see, will, will, will you trust me even when it doesn't look like I just want to know, will you trust me? I don't know where you are today, church. I, I, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what you're asking God for. But can I encourage you to do something today? Can I encourage you to start praising him on credit? To start saying, God, I'm going to serve you and praise you and thank you no matter what it looks like. God, everybody else says there's no hope. But God, I'm trusting that there is hope in you. Could somebody in this place begin to praise God on credit and on faith today? Come on, give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. there was somebody here today that would just make a bold move to say God I'm just going to praise you anyway or to say God I'm going to start counting the blessings it's an old song that says count your many blessings name them one by one count your many blessings see what God has done I always hated that song we'd sing that in Sunday school and kids church and oh God we got to sing this again but man, there's truth to that. There's power in that. Man, if we just start counting our blessings. God, oh, you've been good. Oh, God. Man, we don't even have to start calling anything out. We just recognize that he's good. Lord, you've been good to me. God, you showed up in my life. God, when everybody else left me, you were there. God, when everybody else turned their back on me, God, you showed up in the room. God, when you showed up, my life was changed and turned around. Would somebody in here begin to give God some praise today and tell him how good he is? Come on, don't pause. Come on, keep praising him. Somebody in here needs a miracle today. Somebody needs God to show up in something in your life today. And he's just waiting on you to say, God, I'm going to put my faith in you. I can't see it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. See, it's our faith that moves God from his throne. It's a posture of humility and praise that says, God, it ain't about me. I need it. And I'm just going to seek you. Oh, God. This is what I want to do this morning. This is how I want to close. If you're in this place today and you say, I need a miracle. I need the Lord to show up in my life. I'm going to invite our prayer team, our elders, to, to come and to, to prepare. Because uh, uh, somebody needs, needs prayer this morning. In just a moment, they're going to sing a song. And I'm going to invite you this morning. You say, I need a miracle. I need the Lord to show up in something in my life. I don't even know what's coming, but I feel like something's coming. And so I need to pray today, and I need to begin to worship. And maybe you say, well, that's not me. Can I invite you to do something? Can you just say, God, I'm going to stand at my seat and praise you for a little bit. I'm going to sing a song of praise to you and just tell you how good you are and how good you've been. Maybe you need to get out of your seat this morning. Maybe you need to say, you know what, I'm going to be bold. I've always stand here reserved like this, but you know what, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to get out of my seat, and I'm going to start dancing around and telling the Lord, oh, God, you've been good. Oh, God, you showed up in my life when I needed you to. They're going to sing this song. It says, great are you, Lord. He's great today. He's great today. He's great today. He's been good to you today 
So they're going to sing this morning. If you're in this place and you say, man, I need prayer, I want to invite you to come. Step out of your seat. Come find somebody. Maybe you just need to come find a place in the altar. You don't need anybody to pray for you. You just need to step out of your seat and come this morning. I invite you to do that. Everybody else, I I, I wonder if there's anybody in here who just says, I want to be a number 10. I may not be one right now, but I want to be one. And I'm going to start right now by lifting my hands and lifting my voice to him. Come on, can we sing this morning? Come on. Praise, it's your breath in our so we pour out Is that you? Would you come this morning? I need the Lord to show up in my life. In our lives. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you. Only it's your breath.
you're great this morning God we pause right now just to tell you how good you are Lord you don't need us to tell you but you want us to so God we tell you right now Lord you're great you're mighty you're awesome God you've been so good Lord Lord we thank you today Lord we're grateful God on this memorial weekend God we stop and remember you what you've done for us. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, thank you. Lord, we ask today, God, that as we leave this place, God, that you would go before us, that you would make the crooked paths straight. God, the thing that we can't see coming down the road, Lord, I pray that you would stand in the gap for us. God, that you would begin to work it out even before we get there. God, your word says that you order our steps. Would you do that even now? God, as we humble ourselves before you, as we posture our heart with thanksgiving and praise, Lord, God, would you begin to move in our life? We put our faith and our trust in you, Jesus. God, would you do the very things, Lord, that we've been asking for. God, I'm asking for miracles this week. God, I'm asking, Lord, that somebody with cancer is healed this week. God, I'm, I'm asking, Lord, that somebody, Lord, who's been battling sickness, Lord, in their life for, Lord, for, for over 10 years, God, I pray that you would touch them right now. God, that they'd be healed. God, not so that we just come in here and run around and shout, but God, so that we give you praise, so that you get glory, so that it's a testimony, Lord, of your power. So that others' faith is increased. God, keep us this week. Keep us in the palm of your hand, Lord. We ask, God, Lord, that as we go throughout this week, God, as we celebrate tomorrow, as we have our barbecues, God, that you just protect us and keep us safe. God, let us return to this house next week. Lord, with a praise on our lips. Let us come in next week, God, ready to encounter you in a real way. For all that you do, for all that you've done, for all that you're going to do, God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. If you need to stay in the altar for a little bit, stay. Don't walk away until the Lord is done. Church, we love you. We bless you. Go and have a great Memorial Day. Be safe this week, and we look forward to seeing you back at South Metro next week.